Welcome to the Cripes Cast. Uh, holy smokes, it has been a week. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But first, my guest today is the host of World of Dance on NBC. He's also my former roommate, Scott Evans. But before we get to my interview with him, remember when we were like, man, 2020, worst year ever. There's no way 2021 could be any worse. Is that a shirtless guy wearing bison horns and raccoon tails on his noggin invading the U.S. Capitol? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Wednesday was a crazy day, which uh, it, it, that doesn't do the day justice. I mean, it, it was nothing short of a tragedy. Four people died, rioters breached the Capitol, and I, you know, I'm sure I could talk about what this means for American history, but I'm sure you've already heard a million hot takes on that. So all I want to say is this. Uh, what happened yesterday, it's a result of many things, I guess. But I think what it mostly boils down to is one thing, and that's that too many people in our country have no trust in truth. And there's just a complete disconnection from truth. I mean, what we saw yesterday is what happens when truth no longer exists. There's really not much other way to explain it. Um, it's, it's what happens when conspiracy theories fester. Uh, for weeks, weeks, ele- election officials from states controlled by both parties, Republicans and Democrats, they counted and they recounted ballots. And the results were the same. Notably in Georgia, a state controlled by Republicans counted the ballots three times with absolutely no change to the result. Or there might have been a few votes here, a few votes there, but it, it was negligible. But people still thought it was BS. The question is why? Well, that's because our president said it was BS and he had no proof. And then you get a bunch of radio talk show hosts and cable talk show hosts, you know, echoing those conspiracies and you get politicians doing the same thing, including, by the way, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. That guy has really gone off the deep end, I'll tell you that. But then you have everyone retreating to their own social media echo chambers, and for a certain section of the population, these lies turn into truth. And then the net result is you get a bunch of people invading the U.S. Capitol. Why? Because they believe the lie. They believe that democracy had been taken from them, and they had to take it back. And not surprisingly, as soon as yesterday's tragedy hit social media and the news, conspiracy theories were quick to follow. That guy with the bison horns I was telling you about earlier, uh, the two-point schmuck, (laughs) that's a good one, Charlie. Um, As soon as his picture went viral, there were people saying that he was Antifa or that that he was a Black Lives Matter protester. I mean, I'm laughing because it's absurd when you Google it and you see that uh, he wasn't an uh, Antifa or BLM supporter at all. He was a supporter of QAnon and Trump. And I know that because every reputable news source confirmed it with photo evidence of him carrying a QAnon sign. But on Twitter, people cut out that QAnon sign. So you just saw him at this Black Lives Matter protest. And they said, see, Black Lives Matter supporter. I, it's just crazy the lengths people go to stretch themselves to get the truth they want to believe oh also there's a video of it and and do we have the video oh here's the video it's great he's thank you president trump president trump. thank you q thank you q it means q anon america, america. Okay, so you, so you get the idea. Uh, I don't think he was a Black Lives Matter protester based on that video. But I bring this up because I made a joke about the guy, and then I had a ton of people uh, DM me trying to convince me that the guy was Antifa, and then I sent them that the article, and they, they either said it was fake news 
or you can't trust the mainstream media, but what about trusting the words coming out of the guy's mouth? By the way, how hurt do you think that dude is? I mean, think about it. He's dedicated his last year to QAnon and to Trump, and he made a whole costume complete with horns and raccoon tails and everything. And now he's having his conspiracy buds call him an Antifa protester. I mean, the nerve of them. All I have to say at this point is the raccoons in his garbage cans better watch out because uh, he's going to have to take his anger out on something. And he's also in the market for a shirt. So you do the math. Anyway, there's obviously a real danger in calling truth you dislike fake news. And that's that eventually we have people living in two realities. And the consequences, well, I, I mean, we saw that yesterday. Our democracy can be literally attacked by people brainwashed with lies. Now, if you're interested in going deeper into this topic, I actually did a whole podcast on it a couple months back with T. Krulos, who wrote an entire book on conspiracy theories, and it's called American Madness, The Story of Phantom Patriot and How Conspiracy Theories Hijacked American Consciousness. Can't recommend it enough, both the podcast and the book. T. is a very knowledgeable guy. One more thing I want to say, uh, which actually segues well into my talk with Scott the contrast between the police presence for these protesters that we saw this week versus the protesters that federal police attacked in Lafayette Square over the summer, this was to try and make way for Trump's photo op in front of that church. They, they were um, mostly Black Lives Matter protesters. Just watch those videos side by side. I don't really know if there's a better visual representation for the injustice that people spent the summer protesting than those two videos side by side just the difference in police reaction to the types of protests now that's a whole other conversation but i'll actually get into some of those specifics with scott so it works out well and we recorded this interview before the events this week unfolded but uh like i said we talk about the issues more broadly anyway i'm not going to keep rambling but i think the bottom line here is we as a people need to be grounded in facts because when you're grounded in fantasy you know, people dressed up as medieval creatures start showing up at the U.S. Capitol. So, all right, let's keep her moving. Time for my interview. Uh, Scott, like I said, is the host of World of Dance on NBC. He's also got a new podcast out called So Close, and he is the co-host of Access Hollywood. But perhaps most notably, Scott Evans somehow survived being my roommate, and he'll tell you how. Here's the interview with Scott Evans. Scout, what was your favorite part about being my roommate? The talk singing that you do with your guitar. Oh, you're going to go there. Yeah, I would say that there. was probably the my f favorite thing because I didn't know much about like people who talked over guitar and called mm. it singing. I didn't, <laughs> Can I didn't you do know an impression of what that sounds like. If you play guitar. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do. That. I'll, I'll give do, you gcd that's pretty uh pretty give me give me the give me the thing and then i'll do the thing give all me the right, thing right. and then yeah yeah i'll give you i'll give you a few bars and then hop in whenever okay okay i went down to the river and i saw my friend scott i thought i saw a friend of mine i said Oh, but <laughs> yeah, Scott. I, actually, I think we got a hit on our hands. I right know now. that you would think so. 
You might think so. You think we could take this act on the road? I think so. Here, I'll watch. I'll give you a burst. Okay. Scott, you're looking good in those old glasses that you got. They fit you like molasses. Oh, that's right. I forgot you You did this like... Okay, hold on. Let me try one more time. Try again. I went down to the river. I thought I saw my friend Scott. I said, oh man, he looks pretty hot over there sitting down. Well, I think I would have rhymed Scott with robot, but I do see what you're going for. No, that was the next, I was gonna, see, I had to oh, keep sorry, people on their sorry, toes. Sorry, sorry. I had to keep people on their toes. No, 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 I think we've done, oh, I think we done. did it. We're done, okay, okay. But okay. my least favorite thing about living with you was coming home or walking into the kitchen at any point. Yes. You had opened every single cupboard and left them all open. It is a terrifying thing to walk into a kitchen and all of the cabinets are open. Scott, let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you take off your tennis shoes, when you untie your shoes and take them off, mm -hmm. do you tie them back up before putting that your feet back in? No. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. I have a question. Yes. When you walk into your home mm -hmm. and you use the door to do that, mm -hmm. do you shut the door? Scott, let me ask you another question. When was the last time a cereal box intruded into your cupboards? I mean, I have cereal in the cupboard right now. But I know. It's, but it's, when was the last time there was a breaking and entering into your cupboards? And no, somebody, no, 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 no. I'm no. asking the questions here, Scott. This isn't I about, this isn't about a, this isn't about a criminal offense made by cereal, an inanimate object. Could it is though. about a terrifying habit that a human cohabitating mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. a shared space Mm -hmm. has it's not that it gets in the way of anything if anything mm. you make it a little easier to grab things however wow thank there you there is a terrifying seven seconds that probably takes years off of mm. anyone who encounters its life a little poltergeist moment is what you're talking about here yeah i've since seen it in movies mm -hmm. yeah it's a fucked up thing you do well, that way you don't have to be scared during the movie. You can just be like, it's not a ghost. It's just Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> that is certainly one way of looking at it, I that suppose. That is one way of looking at it. Man, <laughs> you have done so many great things since uh, we were last roommates together. So I just want to applaud you on that. It's been a pleasure to watch your career grow in the way it has. And I've always thought... You've had such a dynamic personality. This is where I'm sucking up to you so you can stop insulting me. And I've uh -oh. always thought uh -oh. that you've had such an awesome personality. So it's cool to see how you've translated it onto TV, social media, and your podcast, which is great, by the way. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know, we, we you and I connected in, I think, in a, in a really interesting point in our lives where it was like, okay, I, this is what I want to do, but I don't really know how I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to mm -hmm. trust that whatever this next step is going to point me, continue pointing me in that direction. And the moment it's not, I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about like having friends that know you, mm -hmm. people that know you. It, when you live with somebody, you know. Yeah. Somebody. You know their ins. 
their outs, their what have yous, their weird yeah. quirks. You have way too many clothes. Um, <laughs> still, still, still do. But now, but now I work. Uh, now I work on three television shows that all require clothes. So, so it all was preparing for this moment. Is what yeah. you're trying to tell me? Yeah. That's nice. That is nice. Now, just to give people a background, you and I uh, met around, I think we were 23, 22, 23, 24, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah. And I had moved. I had my first gig in Los Angeles as a production assistant, a professional coffee grabber. And you had had your first job, I believe, working for the Pacers at that point. Right. Yep. And mm -hmm. so we both moved to South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, to do this show called One Minute News, which was a YouTube uh, news show-ish kind of a thing. Yeah. In the early days of YouTube news, whatever, infotainment. Yeah. And Wouldn't uh, you say it was like the OG, like now every news organization has, they execute this kind of plan when it comes to bite-sized news mm -hmm. format. Um, maybe not all standing up in a green screen but like they all have you know what i mean they all have that kind of like uh, I, f I feel like it was the original what was the i probably shouldn't say it's because it just went out of business but what was the one that just did it had like the big split they were only going to do bite-sized stuff quibi oh Qu quibi oh yeah they did go out of business how do you screw up a billion dollars that quickly you know yeah um, you probably yeah. can't talk about and they that. Also don't have any, they, well, they didn't own any of the content. They licensed all of the, so all of that content, you can't even, like, it's not even, they could, they couldn't sell the content because they didn't own it. Yeah. So, a, lot of, a lot of missteps on that one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But it's, it's, we were in that vein. Yeah. So it was short form news. We were standing in front of a green screen and it was a very unique time in my life. Uh, I'll let you say if it was a unique time in your life, but we had all these people, uh, 20 somethings, early 30 somethings coming together into this small town of Greenville, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, there were some real world vibes to it too, you know? Yeah. It was like, like initially you and I were living in a house with a couple other guys. And so there there was that dynamic going on too. Yeah. And um, yeah, then we moved in. To, what, what? I just remember mm -hmm. unpacking. I remember I drove down to South Carolina from Indianapolis in my little Jetta. Mm -hmm. I remember that like, Jetta. Barely made it to South Carolina. <laughs> I remember just thinking the whole time, if you get there, I'll get another car. If you get there, I can get another car. They have car dealerships in South Carolina. I can get another car, but you got to get there because all of my shit mm -hmm. is in this car. <laughs> um, and I remember pulling out a box and like, it was probably, I don't know, 1030. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. I'm pulling out a box to put it to bring it into the house and up runs this sweaty shirtless dude with like, well, I mean, actually very similar hair to what you have right now. Mm, wow. Yeah. A little, a little greasy. I'm actually going to put a hat on cause it keeps, uh, it keeps, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have you stop. Uh, it's a little greasy. I was, was using coconut oil on my face, you know, get a little moisture going there. I read it in a book and I uh, get you some put it on during, in the day. You should probably just do that at night. Okay, well, I you know what? This is another great thing. You gave me so many great skin uh, tips. Yeah. I, I think don't you do taught coconut me how to put oil. makeup don't on. Do, don't do coconut oil in the daytime. Do it at night. Okay. After you wash your face. Okay. So, but I remember you running up. Mm -hmm. I remember you running up <laughs> shirtless and being like, 
hey. And I was like, uh, hey. You're like, oh, you moving in? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you were like, cool. Not, hey, you need some help or no, nothing. No, no, no. You just no. like walked in the house and I was no. like, this motherfucker. No, nah, it's, it's cool. And then I thought, what the fuck is he out running? in the middle of the night for what did this i didn't realize it that was like a thing that people did i thought you know we we would get to know, uh, know each other very well after that but like i was like I, what the fuck is he doing running right now I, I would like the record to show that i most definitely offered to move your stuff in you just didn't trust me to touch your stuff you thought i would steal it so uh, tomato mm. tomato mm, 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 tomato mm, tomato mm, i don't mm. know yeah yeah i know i offered i know i offered you just you weren't at that level of trust with me at that did point you say it out loud or were you thinking like maybe i should offer i can't remember exactly yeah, how. Okay. i do know oh, the now thought it gets blurry crossed now it gets my blurry. brain though it did cross my brain <laughs> no we had some fun times down there but i think for me actually creatively that was the first gig that kind of allowed me to write every day and sort of uh, right with kind of a comedic and new mm -hmm. sense. And so I liked it from that perspective. Did you find that that job was sort of, uh, do you think that had a big impact on your career overall or not so much? Yeah, I think it prepared me for the grind that would become, you know, so that was one minute news. Mm -hmm. It prepared, excuse me, it prepared me for the grind that would be channel one, which was, you know, we were writing hard news stories <clears throat> specifically for, uh, middle school, high school. We even had an elementary school show that we wrote, like we were covering, you know, Boko Haram. Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, the terrorist organization. It's, yeah. it's, how we, it's how we identified them who were kidnapping girls. Like we were having to tell those stories, like whole schools of girls. We were trying to tell those stories to elementary school kids. And so it pr helped prepare me for, and the whole show was 13 minutes long with two advertisement blocks. So you had to get to the point and also uh, keep the the information interesting. Um, and so one minute definitely trained me in, in that regard. And it was people from all over the country working together on this thing. I had never really had that experience before, you know, coming from Indiana, working for CBS as an entertainment reporter there. Um, and then at the Pacers, like it was like, People were from Indiana. They were born in Indiana, from Indiana, raised in Indiana, working in Indiana. Mm -hmm. So one minute was like an opportunity to meet people from all over the country with various levels of experience and spaces, you know, and people who ran at midnight and never shut cupboards. <laughs> 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 I also loved I also loved how different the personalities were and how we all got along. Mm hmm. Like yeah. We could not have been people more different. Pe like Charlie Timmons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Southern boy. We, Very he Southern. and I couldn't be any more different. And we we were team teammates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. no, it, it was a very unique and cool experience. It didn't last very long because <laughs> it, there was lasted a number of months, actually. It seems there so much longer that. looking back, but... It was it was like I think our our first kind of higher paying gig from what we were used to. You went out and immediately bought an Audi, which was uh, cool. A terrible idea. Terrible for a job in that for a job that was gonna last you maybe <laughs> two and a half months. I was like, oh, I'm getting a loft in South Carolina. I'm gonna get a dog. I'm gonna lay some roots. Probably gonna get married. Uh -huh. I'm set up. Let's yep. do this. Yep. And then I paid my 
first car payment and we got called into an office and it was literally the same day we got called into the office and it was like, we've got some good news and we've got some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying to Jen Martin, mm-hmm. I said, we're about to get fired. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no. I was like, you're right. We're probably not gonna get fired. We, we probably just got funding. That's yeah. why it's a... Yeah. And then, and then Doug walked in and said, this is not a party. And I was like, fired, we're getting fired, we're getting fired. <laughs> yeah, and so I remember just the good news, bad news. And it was like, you six, good news is we've got to interview you all over again to find out what else you can do because you will not potentially be getting fired. You 27, today is your last day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what a crazy thing when you move across the country to a place, but that's like, I mean, <laughs> no protection, a total startup. Yeah, and it, it, you know, and but you trust, you trust that, you know, in that Man, case that there was enough money and all that sort of stuff. I have never done a contract quite like that since. <laughs> <laughs> and live? I'm talking like, my, the show I'm on now has been on for 25 years and it's still, if, if the motherfucker gets canceled tomorrow, we gonna pay out the rest of this contract. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. You live in, you, you learn the hard way. Otherwise, you only get stuck in South Carolina with no job one time. One time. One time. Now, you're from uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. and Indiana, obviously, part of the Midwest. You know, my whole bit is obviously parodying sort of the Midwest and all that sort of, Parody? Sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Documentary uh, recording yeah. of what the Midwest is. I would say it's pretty is. accurate. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott, for that. Yes. Yes. I would agree, actually. <laughs> now, if we're going to look at it that way, what right. would, what is, what was your experience like growing up in the Midwest? Born on the East Coast, raised in the Midwest. I had, I think, a really rich um, experience of what it was to be black. Uh, fortunately, you know, my mom, when we first moved to Indiana, worked for an organization that was putting on the largest cultural exposition, the black, largest black fair, basically, uh, in the country, the longest running um, in the country. And so I got to be around, in, in particular, very strong black women um, uh, and people who were working toward a, uh, a, a the mission of Um, sharing an enriched experience, a rich experience of what it was to be black. And so looking back, I was very fortunate to have that experience. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily have that. Um, Instead, they, they live, especially in the Midwest, you live kind of in this constant gaze, the constant eye, you know what I mean, of white people, the constant judgment of white people. And you're you're consistently and constantly trying to figure out what that how you, what your life is in relation to white people. Mm. And I didn't really, I didn't necessarily have to have that growing up. You know, I played soccer. I ran track. I played football for a little bit, got hit one time and was like, yeah, I'm fucking done with that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't take well to pain from what I recall, you know, no discomfort, not even pain, discomfort, I'm not into it. <laughs> no, no. Like, you you are a, a creature mm-mm. of a very uh like five degree temperature range, uh is yeah. sort of what you can handle. Yeah. And uh, cozy. That's why yep. I like to be nesty. I like mm-hmm. to be 
all and all the time. I don't really like too hot. I don't really like too cold, which is another reason why I had to get up out the, get up out of the Midwest because it was like in Indiana and in Indianapolis, you had that bitter cold. And then in the summer, it was like hot and humid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just remember being in Indiana and being like, okay, cool. I got to get up out of here. Mm-hmm. I got to get up out of here because the things that I want to accomplish, I can't, like Indiana is not going to give me the opportunity to do these things. I got to go out of here and then maybe come back. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I got out, I was like, I ain't ever mm-hmm. going back. <laughs> <laughs> now, I ain't now, ever going back. Yeah. And that's an, that's an interesting experience for the time in which you were sort of coming up. I think now, and let me know if you agree or disagree, it's a mm-hmm. little bit different because I think you can kind of set up shop wherever to yeah. a certain degree if you have the hustle if you have the know-how mm-hmm. and do i guess in the entertainment world what you want to do just with tiktok and instagram well yeah i think, all I think that sort of depending stuff. on what your platform is right uh you know there aren't any COVID has certainly taught us that um you, you can basically do anything if you're willing to you know, put in the time to figure it out, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the voice going at one point last season, they went all virtual um, award shows going for the most part, in some cases, uh, virtual. Yeah. Um, you know, so certainly there are ways around being in a studio. I don't want to go back to Indianapolis just yet. I think it would be a cool place to go back to, um, to have a home there and to go back to, you know, um, uh, various times throughout the year, but I, to live there right now, I just, I just don't, mm, mm, mm. I got too much work to do out here. Yeah. I mean, and, and what, what, what 2020 has really shown me is that there are, there have been some things I have counted myself out of. Like I had just decided, Oh yeah, you can't, that's not, for, you can't do that. That's not for you. That's not, that's not an experience you deserve. And sitting down in 2020 being still having to be still in 2020 and really realizing that like, no, everything you, you want, if you're willing to work for it, you can have it and you deserve it. So go get it. And so that I can't go back to Indianapolis till I go get some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, explain that mentality. What, what kind of brought you into that mentality of you can't get First of all, is there something specific you're talking about? A specific yeah, job? I mean, something just to give you a kind of a very specific idea of what some of my 2021 goals are as for as far as like professional development. It's like a face cream and a toothpaste. I remember thinking, like, why is that even an idea that you wrote down? Who go buy your toothpaste? Oh, you want to sell? You want to? sell a toothpaste is that what i want to create a toothpaste yeah because like it's one of the things that people always whenever they stop me i don't care if it's like a oh i know i recognize you from tv or actually you're just uh, someone i bumped bumped into at the the coffee shop people always comment on my teeth and i was like okay well you too can have white teeth like this (laughs) (laughs) you know Uh, you do have nice teeth. I want to. I don't think I've ever actually told you that you have nice teeth. So I don't want to. But I, I did read be, your. I read your ahead. journal once, and it did. You, it is in your journal. I do. I told you not to read my journals. You left it open, and the really just like the yeah. You left it open on the counter, next to these fucking cabinets. You wouldn't close. And I hope you know that reading somebody's journal is like opening their mail. It's not a federal offense, but it should be. Well, here's the thing. I didn't know it was a journal because it was open. I thought maybe it was like. 
I don't, a recipes or something. Mm. And you were gonna you were gonna <laughs> eat one of my recipes, really? No, I wasn't. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was a journal. See. <laughs> See? <laughs> Wait, can you cook yet? Or are you still like making cereal mean, and I toast? Cook? Okay, I'm I've graduated past cereal and toast. Oh, Thank hot dogs, hot much. dogs. Got it. Got it. First of all, it's brats. Second of all, <laughs> I'll have you know that I can make a really good smoothie. So bang. I what get, do you put in it? I put uh, fruits in it and vegetables and uh, this little protein powder thing. Not really mm -hmm. protein powder. It's, well, there is protein in it. There's a, but I got it for free. Someone sent it to me. So okay. I put that and there's chocolate in it. So it tastes good. And uh, really, <laughs> so it's wait, nice. Fruits, vegetables, chocolate and protein all in this one smoothie? Yeah, really? So what I do basically is I empty out my refrigerator into this big cup when I gotta eat and I yep. twist it up and then and then boom, put it down, get all the nutrients, clean out my, fr I don't have any waste. And I'll tell you this, Scott, here's a tip. I had some uh, some spinach that was about, that was kind of going bad. It was getting oh, a little no. dark green. What I did was I uh, took that bag of spinach, put it in the freezer and then boom, it didn't go bad. So I just <laughs> finished, <laughs> I just finished the bag of spinach and you know, that could have been waste, but no, because of my smart thinking. So talk all the crap you want, Scott, but I'm a what thinker. That, what that spinach taste like though? It didn't taste like anything. It was in a, a, a smoothie with a bunch of others with chocolate. <laughs> so it tasted like chocolate. You you can say I'm smart. Go ahead. You're that was intelligent. I think. Thank you. We'll see. Thank when you. When did Scott. you drink it? When did you drink it? I actually I actually just finished off uh, before this podcast. So okay, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see how you're doing tomorrow. Uh, listen, I, well, no, look, I've had. I said I just finished the spinach off, so I've been doing this for a week. Okay, Ooh. drink. Okay. I've been fine. I've been fine. I've been. Do I got a healthy glow going right now. Thank you do you. actually. I thought it was a ring mm -hmm. light. It's it's actually two lights, one shooting the, the thing. <laughs> one, yeah. yeah, you turn these off, it's it's rough. It's rough on, on your brain. Right? Yeah. yeah. You and me both, brother. You and me both. I got these chocolate lights in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think I think the the you just get to a point where because you've never had it or you've never seen anyone you know achieve it, that somehow that must mean you can't either. Mm -hmm. And so I think 2020 just sat down, was able to sit down long enough, enough times mm -hmm. and was like, wait, so what is this feeling that you, I was, I had this guy, Rashawn Williams on So Close, the podcast, and he is this financial advisor, investor, broker, superstar at 23. He was the youngest VP at Wachovia Bank. And he now gives away a lot of this information, a lot of this, um, these tools and advice that he used to charge or that he still charges um, a great deal. He gives this advice away to young, um, in particular young athletes, but young people of color to try to bring them into this experience um, of generational wealth. His, I, his whole thing is every person that he helps, he, his goal is to help them create three generations of wealth beyond mm. them. And so he was talking about, I said, well, well, then what's the tip? Like, what's the thing? What's the one thing everybody can do, no matter what their uh, um, salary or like if they're making, if they have a job, 
what can they do? And he started talking about a 401k and then he started talking about uh, maxing out your 401k and then he started talking and our IRAs and then he started talking about investment property. And as soon as he got to investment property, I was like, I can't own a property that I don't live in. Mm-hmm. I haven't even bought my first house yet. I can't. And I stopped myself and was like, what's that about? He's telling you very practical advice. You can absolutely afford a investment property now. Why don't you believe that that's something that you could do? And so I, I called it out and I was like, Rashawn, how do you battle this idea, this imposter syndrome that people have in particular, um, black people or people of color, specifically myself, black men have with this kind of knowledge? Like, how does it, how is it that you're telling me this very simple thing? And I'm like already counting myself out. And he said, because it's been that for generations, it, there were, there were systems, there have been systems, um, geared to keep you out and to make you feel like you don't deserve. And to when you finally do earn enough to get it, that keep you or prevent you from ever achieving it. And so you don't have examples of people around you who are experiencing this kind of lifestyle or this kind of success. And so if you can't see it, why would you think that you could do it? And I just was like, I almost cried. Mm-hmm. I almost cried because it was just like, imagine the things that so many of us have counted ourselves out of because we didn't have examples of what the success was, right? We had maybe all the examples of like how it never works out, you know, uh, be it relationships or money or uh, pursuit of dreams and passion. Um, but that if we could perhaps just try anyway, what we might be able to achieve, you know, and like a real try, not like a, oh, I want it. I'm going to write it down and then never do anything. No, take no steps. Not just it. put it on your vision board next yeah, month no. and then, uh, let it sit there all. Do you do vision boards? I do. Mm. I would show you. It's not in here. It's not in this room, but yeah, I, I do. And I do them. I don't do them once a year. I do them periodically and I switch things out and put things on and switch things out and you have to move it so that it doesn't become a piece of furniture you don't pay attention to. But I'm going to tell you, and I could get emotional right now just thinking about it. Like the things that I put on this board happen, which is why I have started becoming very, very careful about what I put on this board. Because like, I remember a while ago, I put like this basically saying a relationship. I wanted a relationship on, on this board. And then the relationship showed up and I was like, Oh no, no, I'm not, I don't, I'm not really ready. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for this. Sure. <laughs> oh, it's all this work. I don't know. I wasn't ready for that. So yeah, I've had to get really, really particular mm. and careful about what I put on it. But you know, I, I, I believe in calling out what you want and having a daily reminder of those things, what they look like, what they feel like, because that's how you draw it closer to you. It's not the only thing that works. It's not the only thing that brings it to you, but it certainly is a thing that in your experience keeps it top of mind. And what we know in this industry is that it doesn't go to the most talented. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go to the most experienced. It goes to the ones who are top of mind. And so if you can keep your dream or things that you want top of mind, yeah, you're, you're halfway there. Well, and you bring up a, a couple of interesting topics, uh, and one is the housing. And I think, you know, this past year with Black Lives Matter, there's been sort of a lot of, I think, education going on for everybody, especially yeah. with regards to generational wealth and how practices like redlining, uh, the Housing Acts, and, uh, and all that sort of stuff have limited the ability for Black people to gain generational wealth. Mm-hmm. And then what you're 
introducing into this too is the the actual proven psychological impacts of not seeing examples of that in in pop culture or in your neighborhood or whatever in your family yeah in your family and then just believing you can't do it you know and so i think it's you know there are certain people who uh and i've gotten messages there are certain people in my audience who believe that that is just BS. People can just pick themselves up by their bootstraps yeah. uh, and they say they did it. But, you know, you could easily argue you did it, but you had many examples in pop culture of other people who have done. You had friends uh, whose parents looked like you. And so you saw that and that influenced you. So I think well, you that- just didn't you just didn't even you also didn't have something that before you ever open your mouth or even fill out an application that was not working against you. Mm-hmm. And you know the, what I mean, it's the redlining the housing act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like your where you went to school doesn't necessarily matter because you mm-hmm. don't know that immediately. Uh, it is not your income. It's not your, it is literally you walk into the bank and there are judgments made about your fitness, your, and I don't mean your like health, I mean your ability to fit, whether you are deemed worthy, right, mm. of this thing. And so, yeah, it's, it is, it is the, the disappointing thing is that the people who don't believe that it's a real thing also are the ones have realized perhaps that they, are, they have something to lose. I guess the the question would be if you could understand if you could get the, the get with this idea that there are people who are who have lived for generations with a um uh, a hand tied a hand and a foot tied behind their back what would you lose well that is the question i think people oftentimes come at it with sort of a um scarcity mindset okay yeah. if if these other boats rise will mine then sink that's just mm-hmm. not but they won't how say that but they won't say that they'll mm-hmm. just say oh pull yourself up by your bootstrap i think it was martin luther king right who said yeah no no problem pull up pull yourself up by your bootstrap that is easy to say uh that is easy to hear from a man who is wearing boots mm. but try doing that when and and boots who were who were handed to them by their their father or their grandfather or their great-grandfather you know but when slavery ended it ended with nothing mm-hmm it in fact ended with less than nothing because in order to, for some, in order to even become free after the Emancipation Proclamation, they had to work for their freedom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They had to pay for their freedom because some slave owners just refused to uh, adhere to the proclamation. So, and also nobody wants to, who wants to be complaining about and mad about their place in the world? Like it's not, black people aren't like, excited to complain you know, I just want right. to be better right and live a better life every like everybody like everybody are there things that you know your white friends say or something that just drives you nuts do you have like a few of those things that that yeah people throw out there that you're like i really wish you wouldn't do that and and kind of why that bothers you i know that that some of my other friends have pet peeves like that and i think you know, it's important to, um, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's good to kind of get those out there so people can, you know, at least start thinking like, oh, have I said that? And then at yeah. least they'll think about it before they say something like that again. Do or you like as it's coming out of their mouth, like, oh, I yeah, do it oh, too. Let oh, let me hey, grab those right. words. No, it's too late. <laughs> She's looking at me. Um, okay. So there are, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been called the good kind of black guy before. Mm. It's not a compliment. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a compliment. Uh, it's not a kind thing to say. It's also not even true. Like I'm a good guy, but like the the disclaimer of the I'm a good black guy. You're the you're like not black black. What? Right. Inherently um, saying black is bad, basically. Yeah. Or that somehow I'm better than the black you knew or mm. thought of, mm-hmm. um, which is bullshit. Uh, I also people who whisper the word black when they're talking about something. Mm. Or someone like they're like this. So, you know, so I was at the grocery store the other day and there was this black guy in the line, this black guy in the line. And he was saying, he was very kind, very well put together. And I just thought, I, I just thought like he, wow, he's so articulate. <laughs> yeah, the articulate. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. well, he, you said he was a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. implied. Should, yeah. Like, shouldn't he be able to speak clearly? Mm-hmm. Communicate effectively? That one. And then uh, I don't see color. I don't really see color. I don't think anyone who is black or anyone who is who who identifies or is a person of color, indigenous or otherwise, I don't think anybody wants you to not see. I don't think they want to be invisible to you that way. I think the desire is that you see it and you love that. You understand that that is something that uh, comes with a, a richness in culture that, that comes with a, a different experience that you not just see it, but that it's something that you can appreciate, not fear. Um, I think that's the the idea. It's not that I don't, I don't want you to see th- that is the benefit of being, I think a white person in this country is that you can be in a sense invisible. You can move through spaces unnoticed unbothered or some cases unprovoked you know what i mean you can navigate life on your own terms and i think that's just part of the experience that some i won't speak for everyone or anyone who is a person of color i know that is certainly the experience i have wanted sometimes to be able to like on my own merit on my own reason on my own in my own space own this space Mm -hmm. not to be colorblind or whitewashed Right, right. So, so you're saying that, and I'm, I'm. People are well intentioned, yeah, uh, when they say that. But I think what they're trying to say is, is I was raised not to see color. I was raised that everybody is equal. But and what you're saying is that when you're saying that, you are not acknowledging the reality of of your situation, which is that that's a not true for ninety nine percent of the people you may bump into and so right. it, it sort of is disingenuous is that is that kind of yeah and i think also it's not true for anyone who says it mm-hmm. you can't not see the fact that i'm a black dude right. and that you're a white right. dude right yeah. like you can't you can't not see that mm-hmm. um i think the the goal is that you seeing it doesn't count as a mark against me somehow mm. that is the goal mm-hmm. right yeah um yeah, and that or that your whiteness somehow makes you superior to me innately. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. ain't the case. That makes sense. Well, thanks for uh, diving into those. Yeah, and, also- and those are like super casual. Like that's super. Like that's shit that happens to me on a regular basis. Those are comments. Those are things that I hear, even still. You know mm. what I mean? Like people talk about before. Black Lives Matter, like Black Lives Matter happened this summer or like it was a fair or something that like <laughs> came and went. Right. You know, well, before Black Lives Matter, well, Black Lives Matter has been an organization for at least six years, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the pet peeve that I have, to be totally honest with you, the one that is is the most 
bothering to me are the, the, the people who pretend to be aware and wanting to do better mm-hmm. and to, to be um, uh, better human beings to other human beings. And then at the first opportunity to shift their behavior, they don't take it. So you, would an example of that be, you know, talking about how you want uh, schools to be equal for um, white people and black people kind of, and then they sort of move out to the suburbs. Would that be an example of that? Or did, did you sure, have a different sure, example? Sure, that, that, that could be an example. It could also be you believe that this country is not in the place that it needs to be, and then you decide not to vote. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or worse you vote against those ideals. Mm-hmm. You vote in favor of ideals that bind and constrict and um, kill those that you said you stood for, or that you agree with, or that you think need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that we're, we've reached a point in our society, I think, where it's like, it's time to do all this talking. You know what I mean? It's cool. And I'm sure that it is it is cathartic for white people in some respect to be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And then when it's time to do something, I didn't. I, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? I think it's the, the, even things as some, something as simple as like, you know, identifying that you want this this system, these systems to change or just aware that they exist and then refusing to even as a gift during Christmas to donate money to one of these organizations who's actually doing the work in the name of a niece or nephew. Mm. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be these big grand gestures of like, Oh, well, I'm going to run for office and yeah, you know, or, you know, I'm going to raise money for the, no, it can be very simple things mm-hmm. that when they, when added together, they multiply mm-hmm. and when they multiply, they, they affect some great change. Um, I'm really over the, Instagram social media um, rally while I get it and it is a it can be helpful I think it's time to do something more than right that. yeah that yeah. was that was a uh, huge uh, weird sort of experiment in in human psychology and people you know wanting to show that they're not I, I think there's this mentality um, of we all saw what the civil rights marches were in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. we all want to see ourselves. And by we, I'm, I guess I'm talking about specifically white people because that's sort of, you know, that's my expertise there, Scott. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of well-meaning white people want to believe they would have been on the right side of history in the mm-hmm. civil rights uh, era. And so I think social media is become kind of the the streets in some ways for protest and for um, making your voice heard or your dissent or your um, approval or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it became this, but it's such a inauthentic thing because all you can do is, you know, post a black tile and be like, see, it, it, you know, I'm cool, you know, and then yeah. move on. And, you know, and do you know how many white friends I had that didn't even do that? No, no. I do not. Like I had to call and remind or say, hey, I'm not noticing your solidarity. I'm not Mm -hmm. noticing your, here's now a very simple action, a very simple signal to the people that follow you about what you're about and I'm not noticing it. Is it that you haven't scheduled it yet or do Mm -hmm. you 
intend to, some of which are people that I don't longer really talk to because what they did in that instance was, was, was show that their audience on Instagram was more important than their care or consideration, not just of me, but of any black person. Like that black tile, I know it's not a big deal and it doesn't necessarily have to be this metaphor for your view in life or your view on life. Sure. Or this representation of your view on life, but certainly it's a very small gesture with a really clear message. Mm -hmm. It's like, I get it. And I'm going to use my space to show you I get it. Mm -hmm. We can't, we can't get that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. it, and I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was the easiest way of doing it. And, and on the one hand, it, it seemed a little maybe shallow in some instances if, if yeah. it was sort of an empty thing. But on the other hand, as you're saying, it's that simple. At least do something, right? And is that what you're saying? At least do yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. And, and show the people that you're aware that you're also paying attention. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's really the, the, the whole like, the whole thing, pet peeves and all that aside, I think is now it's just like, let's just show me. Mm -hmm. Show me what you got. Show me what you really mean. And I'm going to hear exactly that. So whether you do it or not, like I'm not, I'm no longer trying to dictate to people what they need to do, how they need to do it, whatever. I'm just now, I'm just paying attention. Right. Like if we did the whole black box thing again, I wouldn't be calling people talking about, hey, are you going to post a box? Mm. Now it's like, okay, cool. You're not interested in that. Sweet. We have been kind of talking about sort of these issues, even when we were roommates, I, I guess mm -hmm. going back to that. Uh, and we did a video called Black and Tan, where basically you took me to a, a black barbershop. And uh, no, I took you to a barbershop. Well, you called it a black barbershop in the thing. So I'm going Well, that's because oh, we were words. talking to a white audience. Okay. Well, we were talking to you. took me to a barbershop. <laughs> I do want to say, um, you know, uh, white people have barbershops too. Okay. They're called the salon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you took me to a barbershop, which did not uh, cater oh, to, let's say, my hairstyle at the time, you know, but that was fun. That was actually one of the first that got like to the front page of red. That was really one of the first videos that that I made was was uh, or that yeah. we made was was at that time, which was kind of fun, fun to see. But I, I just bring that up because, you know, we've been talking about these issues for a long time. Mm -hmm. And as I just did right there, as I just I just said a black barbershop, you corrected me, no, a barbershop. I just I have been so imperfect over the years because I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up, grew yeah. up around white people. I've screwed this up a million times. I've probably you know, in all your pet peeves, I've probably done at some point in my life, all of those, you yeah. know? And I think that that's the important thing for, you know, people to know too, is as much as it's, you know, as we screw up, as, you know, white people will screw up in trying to get things right. I think it's important to just accept that you're going to be imperfect, but keep trying. And that's really, that's all you can do. And then the more, you know, as long as you have a good heart and you do as, as you say, um, push forward with action and it's not just a shallow thing, then we will see progress. But also I would add and correct me if I'm wrong, as, as I know you will, but it doesn't have to be perfect, you know? 
from the no it is it isn't it doesn't have to be perfect at all and i think that's that's one of the things that like that's how you get better mm -hmm. so the, the one of the things i think one of the things that happened after ahmaud aubrey brianna taylor uh george floyd's uh deaths this year and the demand for change and the outrage right the outcry was that white people tensed up in a way that was like well nobody wants to be called racist so mm -hmm. like i i just, i I don't know how to say the right thing, so I won't say anything. And I'm mm. afraid of of saying the wrong thing and being labeled this racist, so I won't say anything, which prevents you from messing up in a way that you can be corrected and then course correct, mm -hmm. right? It prevents you from um, really any, it, it saves you really also from any sort of behavioral change. Mm. And so the, 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 I, the thing that I was saying was like, just get, become okay with the fact that you are very likely, if you were raised in this country, racist. Mm -hmm. Become okay with the fact that you have been raised that way. You've been indoctrinated through our school systems and pop culture and, and fam familial uh, uh, ties and, uh, and um, uh, interactions. Like that's probably very likely. Once you get, now we're that we're there, now we can get to like the work of changing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Of affecting some sort of growth beyond that. Um, but as long as we're trying to protect you from being called a racist and what that feels like for you, <laughs> the pain and the discomfort and the shame and the guilt of your being called a racist, as soon as we're past that, then we can identify some of the belief systems and the, the actions that contribute to your racist behavior or mentality and then change them. Mm -hmm. It's right? almost unlearn them. Yes. Until we get that to that, you're just going to be avoiding the, the, the opportunities for growth, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, in this situation. Well, and it's it's a crude analogy, but it's almost like not wanting to go to the doctor if you're feeling bad because you don't want to be told that you have X disease. You know, right, you still right. have uh, the disease, but you can either acknowledge it and then take steps accordingly or just ignore it and it will consume you and it will mm -hmm. destroy you. And I think you're right. I mean, that's a very valid point. You say that, you know, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, I, I know from my experience, I'm racist. I still have a lot of racist thoughts mm -hmm. and it's, you know, I try to get better about acknowledging those and, and, uh, but I, I'm, I stumble my way through this. I just hope I keep stumbling forward at least, exactly. you know? <laughs> and I think also people, people know when your effort is with good intention, mm. right? When people know good people and that's not like good people still, kind people still mess up, still say things that are wrong. And I'm talking racist or not, like still mm -hmm. mess up. They still fall short. They still um, make mistakes, but the goal is to just become better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the author of, it became like a manual, how to become an anti-racist, I believe. Um, mm. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I forget Kendi. who the author is. Kendi. Okay. Uh, Dr. Kendi. And so he, you know, his whole thing was that like it, racist isn't something you're labeled as you are, like you are Irish or mm -hmm. you are Catholic right? Or you are um, necessarily white, but it is the things that you do. And the goal is to be doing 
less and less and less and less of those things and to be doing more and more and more of the things that are anti-racist. And so if you can put down one of those racist beliefs or thoughts or misconceptions, then the goal is then you would then pick up an anti-racist one. Um, because now that's the, that, that's the thing. Like it's, it can't, it's no longer like, I'm not racist. It's like, no, I am actively taking a role in correcting this behavior in myself and in those who are around me, which means I'm not standing by at, during the holidays when my, when my family members talk trash and allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Nah, not here, son. So yeah, I think that's, that I think is the, the call to action now. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's people keep saying do better. And I don't necessarily like that phrase do better because it doesn't really show me what better is. It's like, no, don't do that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Right. <laughs> well, well, you're right. I mean, a lot of it starts just in the home uh, or, you know, with your small group of friends. If someone's mm-hmm. going to drop a racial score or if they're going to make a joke that is specifically goes after, um, you know, a, a member of race or a member of a particular race or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's just it. Could it be as simple as not laughing? OK, if that's better than where you were yesterday, what would be better is to just say, well, yeah, that's not where, funny. where's there room for this? You know, like, yeah. like, ha, no. You know, and that it's so funny how we think back to high school, you know, and we think back to how hard it was to sort of stand up to, you know, people when they were making fun of somebody in a group. And you're like, why did I why did I sit there and and deal with that? You know, Mm -hmm. but put yourself back into your hometown on like the night before Thanksgiving and the exact same crap probably gets said and -hmm. you probably don't say anything. And, you know, we don't change that much, but it doesn't take that much to to walk away, to not have to do whatever. So and if you can't take a big step, take a small step, you know, but do something, I guess. Do something. That's uh, it. That's it. Do something. Do something more than what you're doing right now. Right. Because that is not where we need more. (laughs) Right. All of us. And and that's that's also the thing. It's like it's not like so that black people cannot be complaining. It's so that we can live in a better society so that we Mm -hmm. can have a more enriched experience Mm. as not just Americans, but people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like imagine the things imagine the things I would be able to accomplish or do if I wasn't consistently. I don't want to say constantly battling the the thoughts or preconceptions of racism imagine mm. what you could be doing and so it's, what, what i could be doing if i wasn't thinking um like if if we had done the work and gotten to a better place with this and then yeah. we like right now you and i are having this conversation about racism when the same conversations have been happening for decades and decades how f- much farther along would we as a human race be yeah. if we could not talk about this as much it will always probably be there to some extent but yeah. shouldn't we be thinking more on, right like curing cancer curing covid you know uh right. doing all these things but it's like if we can't meet people on a very human level well then we're not going to we get miss, farther we miss it yeah and we're going to miss it and right and that's the whole point it's the mm-hmm. whole i think that's the whole point of this like well not necessarily the whole point but yeah the whole point of this human experience is like to to, to better know each other mm. because then we better know ourselves or maybe it's the other way around, better know ourselves so that we can better know each other. 
um that's the maybe that's the game that's the whole game which one <laughs> comes first you know right um there's better shit we could be dedicating this energy to mm-hmm. so like let's just get this done so we can get to that we could be mm-hmm. living on mars with all mm-hmm. the energy that we have and all the resources and and time and trauma that is wrapped up in this race shit mm. Tony Morrison once said to Charlie Rose in an interview about uh, a lot of topics, but one of them was, why doesn't she write about white people? Or when is she going to start writing about white people? Or what does she think about the question when she's asked this this black woman, um, Nobel laureate, I believe also, um, what does it mean to her when people ask her, when is she gonna start writing? Or why doesn't she write about white people in her books and she was like do you have there is no reason why that is an appropriate question you wouldn't ask a white author when are you going to start writing about indigenous people Mm. when are you going to start writing about guatemalans when are you going to start writing about indian people no you wouldn't ask that why is it required that uh this black writer decorated writer will only be relevant or not deliberate, but like legitimate Mm -hmm. if she starts writing about white people. And she said, I just wonder what it would be like, wonder what white people would be if they they weren't racist, if they didn't believe this idea of supreme, right? The supremacy, right? Would you still be good? Would you still be kind? Would you still be worth anything if you were just you? Like if you didn't have this machine of racism and racialized experience that somehow set you apart or above everything else, would you be any good? Mm. I thought it was just a really interesting conversation. And Charlie Rose do- dodged it very well, I thought. It was just like, yeah, so what we're talking about. And she's like, ah, okay, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, she's never ready to have a real conversation. Let's get back to this little bullshit conversation we were having. Okay. And I think that maybe that's part of the what we we're just talking about is like, well, I wonder what we would be. Like, how much further along would we be? Like, would we have hover cars? I know that sounds crazy, but like, would we have cars that hover if, and like, would we be driving? Would we already ha- all be driving self-driving cars if we weren't all dedicating so much energy into this racism game? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound crazy at all because you look at over the summer the 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 millions of people that took to the streets over across the planet. Mm-hmm. If that much people put their energy into anything, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to be a good result. And I hope that the result from this and i do think there's been a lot of positive stuff from from the incredibly awful situations that happened over the summer i do do you notice it in your friend groups do you notice it in your family have conversation shifted yeah yeah i do notice it and i think i noticed it way more around the uh events around george floyd Mm -hmm. around um in kenosha we had a terrible uh, situation as well and so wisconsin very much so was on the front lines of it and i think you know one uh, just just looking at the numbers of my podcasts the one after the kenosha shooting was the most listened to so i know Hmm. people are listening to it and Mm -hmm. um and i i do think people are shifting their mindset and and look in the midwest we have this thing uh that's that's midwest nice 
And I mm-hmm. think I sort of parody it, or as you say, do a documentary of it. But uh, <laughs> I, it's it's in many ways, it's an aspirational thing um, that we are that kind to each other and everybody, you know, no mm-hmm. matter what you look like, because there is a lot of uh, racism everywhere, but it, it's it's in it's prevalent in areas where there's not a lot of exposure to people that don't look like you, you know, that, and that's a very human thing. It's fear of the other, or it's an us versus them mentality. We, we Mm -hmm. are very tribal and primitive in many aspects. So it's a natural thing, I think, to have some of these tendencies, but like we're talking about, you, you have to recognize them and we have to move forward because, you know, we got we got a, a planet that's burning right now, so it would be nice to focus on that as yeah, well. Shit to do, got uh, got shit to do. Oh, folks, excuse the interruption, but I want to tell you about Cheese Brothers. If you're trying to connect with your loved ones during COVID, but you can't do it in person, send them the gift of love. Send them the gift of cheese and cheese brothers has 100 years of family experience delivering great cheese from local wisconsin farmers right to your gosh darn doorstep when you use cripes 10 that's cripes 10 you get 10 percent off your order of cheese brothers cheese so head on over to cheese brothers real quick once and keep her moving. Also, folks, I want to give a special shout out to our podcast title sponsor. That's Jolly Good Soda right there in Random Lake, Wisconsin. Now, Jolly Good, as many of you know, is my go-to soda for brandy old fashions. I particularly like the Sour Power as my floater. And actually, if you go to jollygoodsoda.com, you can get a Jolly Good Sour Power t-shirt with an old fashioned on it and it says the old-fashioned floater holy smokes folks there is nothing i'd rather wear to church except you know maybe blaze orange or packers gear but that's third on the list for sure and you can get this shirt and soda and even a jolly good muddler when you go to jollygoodsoda.com okie dogs back to the podcast looks like you got some curly fries just regular oh those are regular Mm. cut Oh, those are the wrinkle cut, baby. Wrinkle cut. Those are the kind you get out of the freezer bag and dump on a pan and put in the the deal. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I know you were a hot pocket guy, from what I remember. You had pop tarts. Yeah, when I, I was stole broke. a lot of your pop tarts. By the way, <laughs> FYI, because you had you had those. FYI, you it was knew. you were the ghost that opened all the cupboards. <laughs> Did you know? I also stole your protein powder from time to time. Yeah, that's why now it's all of a sudden in your your uh, they give it to you now for your protein. Someone shakes. sent it over. I'll send you some as sort of a payment back. I think before is it good? What is it good? Nah, I, the protein powder. Nah, it's not <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't it ta- buy it's it. It's like tastes like chocolate. I would not buy it. It's like sixty bucks. Give yeah. me a break. I remember you came to we we caught up one time in particular. Well, I mean, really, actually, every time we caught up, you drove this red Corolla, Toyota Corolla, baby. That you, I think, you had it for what five? Had it since twenty twelve, and you washed it probably once. Mm, well, no, I washed it every time it rained, Scott. Mm, that's not washing it. Yeah, it is. That's getting it wet. Well, it got very wet. Okay. I just remember you put. I, this is this is to say, I yeah, I can't imagine you spending sixty dollars on anything. Mm-mm. No, 
Why would I wash a car? Why would I wash it? So that it's clean. What purpose does that? I'm rolling up in a Corolla. No one is. <laughs> no one is is going to be fooled by my twenty dollar wash job that I somehow have more money than, you know. And it's dented to shit. It was a nice Corolla. Well, it, before all, I that. still got it. I still got it. Actually, actually, I gave it to my um, my aunt. Has it now? My aunt drives it now. It's a nice car. Toyotas last forever. I'll tell you that. Okay, where's your Audi at, Scott? It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. What do you drive now? Oh yeah, you drive a Mercedes with like a little <laughs> reflective. Uh, de- I, we open the door. And by the way, I was still driving my Corolla at this point. <laughs> Open the door of your Mercedes and shining like a little Mercedes thing on the ground. Yeah, it's a pretty cool it. little feature. It's a I didn't buy it because of that, but it was certainly nice to have. Yeah. Um, but like this but see, here's the difference, right? So right. I bought a Mercedes, you bought an investment property. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know so. what? I, well, I'm not a car guy. You're a car guy. And also, like, you can't be rolling up to red carpets and stuff like in a you know Corolla, can you? So here's, a, you here's can, the funny actually. part. Here's the funny part. You always so get car I, service. That's yeah. So it was like I was like, okay, yeah, I gotta, you know, I gotta keep up. You know, you gotta keep up. You know what I'm saying? You gotta. Then in mm-hmm. LA, you gotta floss a little bit. <laughs> Everywhere we go, somebody's picking us up. Or you're parking way far away. Nobody ever sees your car. Nobody and, ever sees you get out of it anyway. Right. Except for when you pull up to the hotel. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, this truck gets more fucking attention. Whoa pause what truck that's what i drive now oh. i mean i guess it's a truck i mean yes. it's a truck to me oh okay okay yeah you're your SUV, suv deal okay yeah yeah, yeah 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 um so it gets more attention than any other car i drive have driven any other vehicle i've ever had because it's so loud when they turn it on it's like, oh, oh yeah. wow oh. <laughs> <laughs> and every time it's worth the car payment every <laughs> single time i'm like yeah that's, yeah. that's hot shit right it's yeah, an investment yeah. right there yeah <laughs> um, it at least makes me feel good about it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. What I like, and this will relate to your car, what I like about you is just the hustle that I feel like you've you've always had and that it's been inspiring to watch. And you, I mean, you went from channel one and then you, you know, sort of started on your own networking, getting the Access Hollywood gig going, right? Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but then you, you worked at that, you did freelance for a, a while for them. Yeah. A, year. a long time yeah mm-hmm. and and i think you were even debating is this worth it is this worth it but you kept nose to the grindstone you kept doing the work mm-hmm. and then and now you're you're the host of the entire show you know which is very cool uh yeah. and you have world of dance and um I will say, Scott, um, I feel like between the two of us, I should have gotten World of Dance uh, just based upon my my skills dancing. Your talk singing? Mm-mm, my dancing skills. You've seen me dance. I've never seen you dance. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes, you I've have. Seen you, no, I've, had, I've seen you have rhythmic seizures. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you convulse, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not, yeah, I've, yeah, I've not necessarily seen you dance. Scott, I've been I, practicing, okay? I've been show practicing. Me. No, I'm not going to show you. No. Just show me Just show mm. me with your shoulders. Show me with your shoulders. I need a beat. In your head right I now. Show beat. me with your shoulders in your head right now. Go. Beat. No. No, mm. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Gooch, 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 gooch
You look like you look like uh, somebody's granddad at the wedding reception. That's what um, that was the dance I was doing. That was the dance like, I was doing. It was like, I'm not gonna hurt myself. But do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I'll do it back. I'll do it back. Do it again. Do it again. What is? Are you revving a motorcycle? What mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. You're did like, you, but did and it's you like, notice? Did you get flies in your teeth? Did you like, notice what? the bite of my? I'm doing the white guy overbite right now. Can you not uh, acknowledge that? This hot, so what? it's so funny. So, you have the white guy overbite, and I do the black man lip tuck. Let me see the. Yep, 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 yep. That's good. You know, so it's that, good to you when you when you tuck your lips in. Okay, so so yeah, this is great. This is a great dancing tip. It starts with the face. Okay. Don't bite. Suck the lips in. You can't. No, tuck them in. You said suck them in. No, t- yeah, tuck them. Tuck them in. Yeah. Mm. Cool. This was a great tutorial. Yes, you, d- Scott. Absolutely, you absolutely could have hosted World of Dance. Thank you. You could. Thank you. Thank you, you. Thank you. You've always been a great dancer. I do want to say. Um, no, but what has kept you going over the years? Because we've had phone conversations where yeah. where it was. I mean, you had just gotten fired from uh, One Minute News, for instance, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think you went back out to LA at that point. We had a lot of conversations over the years. Just man. I don't know, but I'm just gonna keep keep going. What mm-hmm. what kept you through those the sort of the the darkest times of career, I guess, and um, knowing that career is just career and it, it's not yeah. always that dark. But um, but just the lowest points of your career, what kept you going? Well, I'll tell you, this is gonna sound cliche because it really is my perspective. I just refuse to lose. I refuse to lose. So even getting fired from one minute, I looked at that as how can I turn them terminating this contract? How can I turn that into the next opportunity, right? How can I make this no a yes? And so it was, okay, so I can't, I'm not going to work in this office anymore, but you still need this hours of content. How about if I go to, I was covering entertainment and like um, event kind of news, music, art, and entertainment for one for one minute. How about I go to LA, send me a camera, and I'll send you videos from here. Maybe they're a longer form, maybe they can still stay a minute or whatever, but allow me to go to where the, the happenings are going on and I'll continue to work. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. So then they sent me equipment, right? And you and I had a conversation about like, okay, so, Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to introduce you to a couple people. Because I also was like, yeah, let's move to L.A. I'm plugged in to the (laughs) art scene in L.A. Like, I know what's going on there. But I had business cards made that said one minute news on it. And like reporter Mm -hmm. was how they were made initially. And I put anchor (laughs) (laughs) and producer. Yeah. And was able to get several pieces done. And that's what kept me going until Mm -hmm. Channel One which would take me to New York, Mm -hmm. came to be. But it also, I was still 
practicing every day. I was still writing every day. I was still shooting every day. I was still connecting with people who were um, making news in LA every day. And so I never fell out of practice. And so that's, I think that has been the key to whenever the things didn't seem to work out or didn't look like they were necessarily, I was necessarily winning. Um, I stayed in practice and I just refused to lose. And when you refute, when, when no situation can be a loss to you, you either win or you learn. And that has been my, uh, my perspective. You know what I mean? I've seen people lose their job with millions of dollars in the bank and they are rocked. And it's like, I had $37 when I moved to LA and I drove an Audi. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And had a puppy. Yeah, you took my puppy away. Uh, I don't remember you fighting for her. Where is Ronan? Where's Ro? Ro? Downstairs. But Tegan's right here. Where's Teague? Look at the, see? Teague knows. (laughs) Hey, Teague. Uh, We have that conversation between us. Don't worry what I said. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we communicate. Yeah. I'm sure. Mm hmm. Uh-huh. No, it's funny though. It's funny cuz cuz you I was at a low point in my deal and your words to me actually which I then sort of kept and in in some weird way I brought it into the man to walk minute but you said keep it moving. Keep it keep moving. Keep it moving. Just keep it keep moving forward and yeah. I I then uh heard someone say keep her moving. I was like, yeah, that that'll be That's it it is. That's it. That, that'll be the thing. I want 10% of everything you've ever sold. Ticket. Oh, t-shirt. I knew you were going to ask for that. I knew you were going to ask for that. You just admitted it on this podcast that it is my idea that you stole. Well, so I want 10%. Okay, you can have 10%. And I will <laughs> say this that everything in the man talk minute um, not everything, but all, all the catchphrases are all Wisconsinisms. Because I heard I heard someone say "keep her moving," or I've I, there was there was I, I can't remember. Are you where. walking? Is this a professional walk back? Is that what's happening right now? No, no, no. I you you very much said, Charlie, keep it moving, keep it moving. You know, and <laughs> well, so I think, what I, I think did, that's the benefit. I just changed it to er, and now I don't owe you shit. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. You know, that has also gotten me in a little bit of trouble. Mm, how so? When you keep it moving, it also doesn't allow you to really take stock of where you are mm. and appreciate the things that are happening in your life right now mm. because you're always just trying to get to the next thing. And so now I'm trying to balance I'm not trying. I'm working to balance better in my life the idea of loving the thing that I'm in, appreciating the thing that I'm in, really looking around and taking that in as I prepare for the next thing. Mm. That that um, is that is very important. I've heard a lot of famous people say in one way or another, "What do you regret?" And they're like, "I regret not enjoying it while it was happening." Yeah, everybody says it. Yeah. Every single you know, one of the questions I ask on so close is like, what would you tell your your younger self? I try not to put necessarily an age on it because I think that people when they hear that they know exactly what age they yes they, that they need to go back to to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. One of them is one of the responses is is not that serious, right? It's not that serious, or take this in, enjoy mm-hmm. this now because it one it never gets 
necessarily easier than it is right now. Mm-hmm. So if you you got to figure out now how to 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 have those moments um, and to feel that even like in breakups and in bad things and in firings and all that, like feel that, like know what that is. It doesn't have to define you, but feel it so that when you move through it, that other thing is also is just is is just as significant um but that sweeter is sweeter that mm-hmm. sweet is sweeter that because juicy you, a little juicier you know what <laughs> I'm saying? i do know what you're saying because you you felt the lows and yeah. and i didn't run from it didn't run from it and i think and i can say from my experience having some success on social media stuff when a video doesn't hit there's always a thought that it's over it's done. You know what I mean? Really? Oh yes. Yeah. I Every had, single. I had that feeling last week. I, I I really had that feeling in a very hard way last week. I just and and you, I had to, and I I've been doing a lot of meditation, but I'm not so enough. Glad. Not enough in this in this moment. I really had to sit there and honestly, you know, meditate because, you know, and people, some people hear that and they go, oh, that's some hippie shit. But no, it's really just you connecting to you, you mm-hmm. know, and writing a gratitude list for what you're thankful for. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, because when you get in the weeds of it, and I agree with you, when you just keep it moving, sometimes you're just always in the weeds churning that you don't have that eagle eagle's eye view as to where mm-hmm. you're going and what you have to be grateful for. So it is mm-hmm. very much so a balance because then you don't want to be complacent or whatever. Right. But I think, you know, people like you, people like me, we kind of we hedge on the side of on of doing of going of making stuff happen because that has been our the only way you get good in this deal is to just power through some of the hard times Mm -hmm. but once you get some some level and honestly not once you get some level throughout the journey just enjoy it enjoy Mm -hmm. enjoy the fact that you are breathing that you have five fingers Put those on the list that you have air in your lungs, especially mm-hmm. in these COVID times. That's not something to take for granted. Some people have breathing machines these days, you know? Yeah. So I was driving down the street the other day mm. and had to send a group thread a message because I was finding that like a waking up in the morning and this group that had kind of gotten a little down with a lot of the COVID stuff. And it was like sharing headlines and Trump said this or election this or, and it was becoming um, discouraging mm-hmm. every morning, kind of reading uh, what this friend group was talking about. Right. And there was this man on the corner having a really hard time. It looked like some pretty severe, potentially severe mental health issues as, as well as maybe addiction issues. Um, man who was experiencing some, homelessness Mm -hmm. i try not to call people homeless because i don't feel like again that's something that has to it's a state they're in it's not who they are it's a condition they're living in it's not who they are and somehow calling someone homeless removes their humanness their connection to me yeah i know their other and so I'm, i'm really trying to be better about conversation that even racist people right like they're like that's a well they're racist they're different than who i am mm. i'm really trying to not create those kinds of spaces anymore uh, especially because i want to get i'm i'm working on you know the the connection part of what i do 
wanting to enrich the connection part of what I do, because when you do things virtually, you, you still want to have a connection. You still want to have a vibe. It's still important to you. I digress, but I just want to explain why I may not be calling this person who is experiencing homelessness a homeless person, because it, for sake of time, it may have been quicker. Mm-hmm. I understand. I'm trying to be um, better about that. So, but he, I mean, it just made me think about like how waking up in the morning, I don't have this overwhelming drive to do drugs. That's not something, addiction is not something that I'm struggling with right now. And how thankful I was at, with all the battles that I have, that's not something I'm experiencing. And so it was like, I was sending this, this group message and I was just like, hey, I don't know, maybe this is a challenge you're interested in, maybe it's not, but send the group one thing that you're thankful for, that you're grateful for, that maybe you have never actually said out loud. So like, don't tell me you're thankful for your family. Don't tell me you're thankful for your job. Don't tell me you're thankful for your health. But like, maybe dig a little deeper. And man, the things that they came up with, like I was crying by Mm. the time I got to work because it was just like, these are the things that we overlook all the time. A couple who are new parents said, as they're preparing potentially for another baby, like we're really thankful for the opportunities that we have where it's just the three of us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? While we're thinking about growing our family and while we were uh, fortunate to be able to have right now, it's just in our home, it's just the three of us and how much of a blessing getting teary right now just thinking about it because I know how much they love that little boy and how much they wanted him and how much he's changed their lives and so yeah I just think that in the the idea or in the space of achieving and growing and doing that we're all a little better when we can take a little bit of time and just be thankful for that that like we're not losing our mind Mm -hmm. because this year has been something so crazy it has been something so mania inducing everywhere you turn and so if you are in a space where you can be remotely sane like you're winning (laughs) yeah yeah you're winning you're winning so yeah man it's just like those are the things I think I'm holding on to even in the low points now even you know I'm, I'm planning like we were talking earlier about this toothpaste and this face cream and all this stuff that I'm planning to to want to work toward and do in 2021 it's also like man to even be in the in a conversation with a chemist talking about okay but I want a whitening that's sort of natural mm. I want a no preservatives she's like and a toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> you know so you want clay you want to brush your teeth with clay okay <laughs> protein powder. I'm gonna do a protein yeah, powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that stains um, your teeth. I can tell you that right now. Oh, gross. Yeah. So, yeah, man. It's just like you. You also gotta just take stock. At like we made it through 2020, and there was a time where I know, if you're honest with yourself, there was a at least one point in this year you were like, I don't know how we're gonna make it through this. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know how we're gonna make it through this. Not those moments, but you're Woo. right in seeing that that man on the side of the road, it was able to put something in perspective because I think our brains, we're still dealing with these 
caveman brains that had, mm-hmm. there's a part of your brain that is always looking out for those saber tooth tigers, which no longer exist. And mm-hmm. so, but our brain cannot evolve to the point of the amount of affluence that we have, especially in this country. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's used to being out there. So it is constantly biologically looking for things that could tear it down that could threaten Mm -hmm. our lives or our livelihood and but we're not fighting saber-toothed tigers we have so much to be thankful for we have so much good let's not invent problems like yeah like i was doing last week i was inventing a problem that just did not exist or frankly Mm -hmm. did not Mm -hmm. matter and a good way for me in addition to meditation in addition to you know, working out all that other sort of stuff, saying whatever you're grateful for is just saying, like, who are the people in my neighborhood, in my city Mm -hmm. that need help and just give some of that energy to them, you know, Mm -hmm. make those problems that you're creating in your head and say, is this real? Understand it's not real or at least should not have that much space in your brain. Mm -hmm. Find the people who are really hurting. See if you can't help them. That helps yeah. me, and it seems to be the vibe of what you were saying with this gentleman. I'll tell you this, two things. One, I think the easiest way, the truest way, the best way to pull yourself out of a slump is to focus on how you can be of service to someone else. Mm. It almost immediately, every single time, pulls me out of whatever pity party sadness I was experiencing for myself, whether warranted or not like because you know there are sometimes there are things that are really real that make you feel bad that are not great and how do you break that the thing that i found was to use that as an opportunity to become of service to do something in service to someone else and so this same day (laughs) this is so embarrassing let me tell you anyway so this same day in la it is a, a jarring experience to be passing multi-million dollar homes and people sleeping in a tent on the corner mm-hmm. right like it and not for fun like i know why people go camping and stuff but we're talking <laughs> about in the middle of the city like they live in that tent right and it can be a really jarring experience so i'm at a coffee shop this is the same day as seeing this man on the corner losing his mind and when i say he was losing i mean he was battling someone who was not there mm-hmm. right so couldn't get back to him in this particular instance. So I'm at this coffee shop and there's there's these two people sitting down on the on the corner on the curb in front of the coffee shop. So I get some extra scones and some like a lemonade lemonade. I was like, I don't know, should I get a coffee? I mean, it seems like maybe the wrong choice for whatever reason. I don't know. I was like, maybe lemonade. Like Who doesn't like lemonade? Yeah. Who doesn't like lemonade? <laughs> so I got lemonade and all these scones, and I'm walking out. You know, I have a problem talking to people, especially strangers. You could talk to a squirrel. I've seen you talk to a squirrel. I've done it. Yeah. Full conversation. And then I was like, get the fuck back. Get the fuck back. <laughs> so I'm walking out with this, all these scones and these, these drinks. And I'm like, oh, hey, guys, I got too much stuff. Is uh, Would you guys be interested in, in any of these scones or lemonade and stuff? And the guy kind of looks at me like, well, yeah, what you got? And the, the woman is kind of looking at me like, I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't want to offend or anything. I just figured you guys could maybe, my fa- the words that fucked me up, you guys could use some of this food. The woman looked at me, she looked at the bag, she looked back at me and she said, bitch, I'm not homeless. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no, I've misjudged this situation so terribly. <laughs> I was like, yeah. 
oh, oh. And here's where I messed up again. I took the bag back <laughs> from her like, well, then you can't have this. <laughs> so even in trying to be of service, right, mm -hmm. and messing that up so badly, there was a moment of like, oh, God, okay, well, you at least you're not a total piece of shit, but you are for assuming that those people were homeless and maybe needed you to buy them something to eat. But the dude was going to take it, though, so... <laughs> He's like, yeah, I mean, what you, what you got? <laughs> it was tip. Bitch, she said literally the worst to me. Bitch, I'm not homeless. <laughs> like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we stumble forward. We stumble forward. Um, exactly. Yeah. Make it work. And it was well intended. I know you got food, so I'm going to leave you in a second here. I just want to ask two more questions. What's your favorite part about the Midwest? Is there a favorite food? Is there a favorite something that you like? You know what I miss about the Midwest? What's that? The crazy combination like the fair oh yeah the, the state, state fair, fair the county fairs yeah the like the deep fried I snickers mess, i didn't mess with the county fair but that state <laughs> fair like, like a deep fried a deep fried we had deep fried butter oh yeah 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 we got that too what is that well we're in the uh, chicken we... uh chocolate covered bacon mm -hmm. That's deep fried good. snickers you said that when there was another one there was another deep fried oreo oh yeah yeah, you can deep Come fry on. anything. Come on, like I miss, yeah, I miss those. Like I miss um, people being really proud of like pigs, mm -hmm. you know, like livestock. Like, oh yeah, we got a, uh, yeah, we got like a uh, seventeen head. You know, we got seventeen head, or or, or like uh, points for antlers or deer. Oh yeah, 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 twelve pointer. You know, fourteen. Scott, you those and I conversations go you don't hunting. have in LA. You got no. We got yeah. No, I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna get you out here, and we're gonna go deer hunting. Uh, it's been said. Do here you on ever this actually hit the deer? Uh, yeah, with my car. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I've hit a couple with my car. I'm not a great aim, but for whatever reason, my car, you know, can't miss them. So bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. You got it. I, I love <laughs> yeah, that, I think baby. I would say that's probably the thing that I miss about the Midwest, and I do the 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 fall. Mm -hmm. in the midwest is really really a beautiful time of the year i pinned you for a hoodie weather kind of guy yeah yeah i love that like right now in la it's it was 74 degrees at the warmest part of the day and it's december christmas yeah. is this week yeah well that there's a whole climate change issue in with that too but yeah <laughs> true um no i i do i love the seasons what i love about the seasons is it helps you keep track of time when i was in mm -hmm. la uh it was you know beautiful every day and then i would look in the mirror i was like where'd these wrinkles come from i've only been here two months you know and it's been like three years i'm like holy smokes you know mm -hmm. that's why people get you know that's why people get uh, botox and stuff in la because time goes by they don't realize it you know and whereas <laughs> in the midwest it's just like you know every year you're like ah, i hope i'm dead by february you know it's that cold out you know <laughs> right. what i mean so that's ah. that's i appreciate that uh final question what what advice do you have for for somebody who wants to do what you do wants to be in your position who sees you I, and you're like this guy made it how do i do that i love this question because it is the exact same and i know that's the not the thing you want to hear as a podcast producer and uh, personality but it is the exact same every time I'm asked that question because mm -hmm. it is so true. If you're waiting for an opportunity to come to you, you're missing the game. Mm -hmm. If you wanna do what I do, you need to be doing it right now. 
there has never, ever, ever been opportunities like there are now for young or budding or even experienced personalities, on-air personalities or journalists to create the thing they want to create. While it may not be you interviewing the biggest names in Hollywood, you can certainly be interviewing the celebrities in your town, right? Those personalities that everybody knows and loves. You can certainly be carving a space and an audience and a voice that is your own. Um, one of the things I heard, I was actually doing a, an interview with Jay Shetty. He's like this former monk turned, I don't want to call him a guru, but he is certainly a coach to mm -hmm. those who are willing to listen. Um, he's an author. He's a podcaster. He's the number one self-help podcast in the world called On Purpose. And I was interviewing him and I, we were talking about how he came to be the person that he is in this field, this well-known, highly regarded celebrity, really, uh, in the self-help game. And he was like, I kept, was, he was trying to get a job as an on-air personality. And he's like, I kept trying to get people to trust that I could do something that I had never actually demonstrated that I could do, right? So he wanted to very specifically work as an on-air personality, but he had never worked as an on-air personality before. He didn't even have a demo reel of things he had done. And so he was requiring people. He found that the reason why he never booked a gig was because he was asking people to just trust that he could be good at it instead of developing the skill set, perhaps even the following or at least the experience. And so that's what I would say is that you need to be building opportunities for you to experience and gain experience in this thing right now. YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Like I wanted to create earlier in quarantine, I was like, I wanna do like most people in quarantine, I was just like, I'm not doing shit. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna do, I wanted to do a late night show but like in the middle of the day on Instagram live mm -hmm. and like have guests come in and join the live and like end with a musical performance and all that. And I had set up two 25 minute shows with guests and all that. As soon as I had it all set up, I looked at the grid and I was like, I want to do this shit. I want to do this shit right now. But what I'm saying to even the reason I'm bringing that up is because it's like, even in the middle of a quarantine situation where we couldn't get in the studios and things like that, like I was still trying to find ways to continue practicing every day, mm -hmm. right? Trying to get to this 10,000 hours yes. of mastery. So find a way right now to be doing the thing that you want to do. I don't know. That applies to anything that you want in your life, whether it's a successful relationship whether it's to be an, honor, uh, an Emmy award-winning on-air personality, whether it's to be a rapper or a doctor, right? The idea is that you don't have to wait for someone to say, I think it's time for you to be a doctor now. I think it's time for you to be a, a, in a good relationship now. I think it's time for you to be, here's your Emmy. Like, that's mm -hmm. not how this shit works. Right. That's not how it works. And so be using your time and your energy to create those opportunities for yourself right now. Find people who are willing to support you, who are willing to boost you uh, and work with you. And that doesn't necessarily always mean reaching higher. It just means reaching across. So it's like someone else who wants to be, get into photography or editing or um, design, right? Trying to find the, uh, uh, assembling that team so y'all all come up together, you know, as opposed to like, okay, well, I want to make movies. So I'm going to call Spielberg and see if I can get a meeting with him. Well, that might not be your winning strategy right now. <laughs> Maybe you, maybe you live next door, though, to the next Spielberg, 
who's in his room right now writing it or her room right now writing and is trying to figure out who do I know that can act? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so it, that's what I say. Don't wait. Do it right now. Yeah. And it's those partnerships, too, I will say, and even working with you over the years that build lasting friendships and that build really cool dynamics mm-hmm. that will help you. That collaborative atmosphere has never been more prevalent than right now. So take advantage of it. Grow mm-hmm. with people. Find your creativity and find your path. You know, fail forward is the only way as it is it is <laughs> if you're gonna fail you might as well do it forward yep yep absolutely scotty this has been a lot of fun man thank you for coming on well, scott where can people find you oh easy i i am scott evans everywhere literally i a m s c o t t e v a n s everywhere twitter instagram facebook um but i just want to tell you now if you're hitting me up to talk some shit, i'm not the one what about your podcast oh so close uh, is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So Apple Music, Amazon, Spotify. Uh, we release new episodes every Wednesday, and I am actually taking with with so close. This is one of the really cool things about producing your own podcast. I'm actually taking requests. So if there are people that you want to hear more from, if there are people you'd like to know more about, or people that you just think more people should know about, please don't hesitate to message me those individuals um, don't do stuff like interview Janet Jackson because like duh she's on the list but yeah I'm open to to that so because they're not necessarily someone in my world that's on a daily basis doesn't mean that they shouldn't have an opportunity to tell their story um, I've had a few people that were I was referred to or re- that were referrals to me um, that have been some of the most fascinating conversations to me because it was like I came in with a real genuine curiosity about like who they are, how they were. Jamie Schmidt, the woman who sold our Schmidt's natural deodorant to Unilever for like an amount of money that they won't even talk about, which means it was a whole, whole lot of money. Her story was so interesting to me um, and it really came across in our conversation. So yeah, hit me up. So close. Everywhere you listen to podcasts. And I am Scott Evans on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I love it, buddy. Enjoy that burger. Thanks for talking. Love you, brother. Love you back, man. Be good. All right, that's it for the Cast. Don't forget to follow the Cast on social media at Cast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you rate this podcast and leave a comment, I will send you rhubarb from my freezer. No fooling, folks. Okay, maybe a bag of fish, too. All right, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you gotta keep her moving. <laughs>